is, he's worthy. Hello, my name is Minerva, and um, our scripture reading today is from Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Let us stand for the reading of God's word, shall we? Thank you. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, way back in the 1970s, just after I'd finished my undergrad uh, degree at Wheaton College, I moved to Germany. And believe it or not, to become a soloist <laughs> in a mission work there in German-speaking Europe. And when I went, I couldn't speak any German at all. But, but after I'd, I'd only been there for three months, the, the leadership of this team I was working with came to me and said, Greg... We, we've just confirmed a date for your first concert, full concert, here in Germany. It's an outdoor concert. And did, did you, yeah, look, that, can you see the toll it's taken on me to be your pastor? The 70s, just look at the polyester shirt and a mullet, you know, it's sad. You still want me as your pastor, I, I hope. But anyway, uh, I found a picture also of the place where I did this concert. It was a, a soccer field uh, there in southern Germany near a little town called Hulben. And they put up a big platform. And, but I remember when they said to me, uh, it's time for you to do the first concert. I said, you must be kidding. I, I can't do that. These people won't understand a word of my terrible German, but I'll tell you, they wouldn't listen to a thing. They only said to me, well, Greg, this is what God has called you to Germany to do, and it's about time for you to start, but we'll pray for you. That's what they said. So I'll tell you, against my better judgment, against my own feelings of inadequacy, I, I worked hard and I got ready with our music team, and I'll tell you, I prayed, I prayed, 
And even though I still look back, and I just imagine that had to have been one of the worst concerts ever done, and my German must have been atrocious, uh, God worked. People came to faith in Jesus that day, and they're still, I'm still in contact with some of them, and they're still active in the church. So as I was preparing to do this message from a prayer for you, I thought of that day so long ago, because the passage that we come to is, is a prayer that Paul prayed for some folks about something that, that he just, I mean, I think in his human nature, he didn't think this could ever happen, but he knew that God can do more than we can do. He, it was over 2,000 years ago that he prayed it, but I think you're going to see that it seems so relevant to us. He prayed it for a, a church of people in a large city, Ephesus, kind of like L.A. is in our own day. And the point that I made last week, in case you weren't here, that he pointed out that it had been God's eternal plan uh, to bring into his family a people who would represent him in this world, like we're in that church in Ephesus, really like we are too, but the, the people in that church would, would surprise everybody in the world because they would be made up, we would be made up of people as diverse as in the first century the Jew and the Gentile were. They were so broken with one another. But what God wanted to do, he has this plan where he's going to take everything that is broken in this world and bring it together. God has this plan where all the things that are hostile, he's going to make peace. He, he will make it whole. And he wants to start in the church. And the church is supposed to be the place where broken people from one another actually come together and show what God can do, the unity of God, or the way he put it, to declare the glory of God. Now, this prayer that we come to and that Minerva just read so well for us in, in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, is, is, a church, is a prayer for a church that the Apostle Paul, who prayed the prayer, it's one that he founded, and he had been in that same city of Ephesus for two to three years. So at least for the people who first came to faith in Jesus there in that city, he knew them uh, pretty well. And I think he also knew that probably for them, who first ones were probably Jewish believers, he thought, I think this is going to be hard for them to welcome all these Gentile believers in so that they are truly one. And I, I think he thought, oh, I don't know anybody who could ever do this. We need the help of God. <laughs> I'd better pray. And so that's what we have here today, the prayer that he prayed for them. It's interesting for me to see what he prayed for them because I'm so sure that those Christians in Ephesus had many, many needs, just like we do. I'm sure they had problems in their businesses. I'm sure they had health problems in the context of the church. I, I'm sure there were so many things that they were going through that, that needed prayer, and I'm sure Paul prayed for those kinds of things, but he wanted to pray for something even bigger than those kinds of circumstances or things that happen in this world. He wanted to pray that they would experience something that could never be taken away from them. He, he wanted them to, to know someone, to know someone who could sustain them, no matter what kinds of things this world throws at us, even things like the hurricane that is happening or the typhoon that is coming toward the Philippines even now. And, and I wrote this for you. So his prayer is a plea that in the face of whatever may take place in our world, God's children will know God better. And in doing so, they'll, they'll know God's presence, his hope, his love, and his power in ever-deepening ways. So before we look at the prayer, I want to stop again and think about who really is in this family of God. And as we turn to the prayer, verse 15, the very opening part, he says, for this reason, 
For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. Now, I don't know if you noticed it as Minerva was, was reading this prayer to you. In the, in the first part of the prayer, which goes from verse 16 up to about 18, he prays for you. And then when he gets to verse 19 and goes on to verse 23, he talks about us all. And, and the question is, who is in the you and who is in the us all? <laughs> and that takes us back to verses 11 through 14. When first of all, he talked about those, the, the, uh, all of us, Paul was one of them, who were the first to hope in Christ, he said. That's, that's the Jewish believers who'd come to, to faith in Jesus. And then in verses 13 and 14, he spoke about these newer Gentile believers that he calls you who were included in Christ when you heard the good message and believed. So today, as he starts this prayer, he sort of begins by looking at the first group. He says, here's what I've heard about you as a church. I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, verse 15, and I've heard about your love for all God's people. It seems to me that these are two things that we should all have today as we gather here at Lake as well, don't you think? Number one, your faith in the Lord Jesus. That's what brings us into the family. That's where it all starts and makes us alive to God. And notice this especially. It's not just some sort of vague religious faith. It is faith specifically in the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I do almost every week, and I hope every time you come to church, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say, have you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus? Is he your Savior? Have you acknowledged that as you've walked your own life that that you need forgiveness of sins and given those things to him and simply say, here is my life, I entrust myself to you. That's where this begins. But notice that faith in the Lord Jesus doesn't just leave us there. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus, he comes into our lives, the spirit of God is given to us and he begins to change our lives. And the clearest evidence that Christ actually has come into your life and that you're in this family of God is supposed to be that you'll begin to have a growing love for all God's people. Now let me just ask you, if you're willing to talk to me a little bit, who's in the all God's people? I ask easy questions. All, all those whom God has drawn and adopted into his family, all who have placed their faith in Jesus. And the apostle Paul in saying that was just declaring to them that includes both Jewish people and Gentile people who have come to faith in Jesus. And for us, it would be all, rich and poor, uh, young and old, male and female, people from every ethnic and national group. Don't miss it here. Don't miss this here. When you genuinely place your faith in Jesus, one of the surest signs that that faith really is in him is that you'll begin to have a love for all God's people. Do you see that happening in you? Let me just tell you something. If we don't have a love for God's people, we're just going to hate heaven. We're going to hate heaven. (laughs) because that's who's going to be there for eternity. We might as well start loving one another right now. So so with both Jewish believer and Gentile believer, Paul began his prayer by praying specifically for these brand new Gentile believers, and then he broadens it to pray for everyone. So what did he pray? 
Because I think as we see what he prayed, it might help us to see how we might pray for one another. And this is what he says in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, what? You may know him better. So the main thing he prayed for these new believers, maybe even on the day they were baptized, is that they would come to know God better. I'm sure he prayed that for everybody in church. Those of us who have known the Lord for a long time, isn't there still a whole lot more about God we'd like to get to know? The more we know about him, the more we know we need to know about him. But when he prayed that specifically for these new Gentile believers, here's how I envision it. I envision that there were new people coming into the church They hadn't been like the Apostle Paul, who was a Jewish believer, who'd grown up his whole life reading the Scriptures, hearing what God had said about himself. Like a lot of people that are coming into Pasadena right now, and many come into our own church, who come from different religious backgrounds, or maybe no religious background at all, and then they walk into a church that has people like me, who uh, my, my dad became a believer when I was six, so I've been in church ever since then. I've been reading the Bible. I've heard the Bible stories with flannel graph put up there. And, you know, I've heard sermons for so many years. And then you walk in. And when I sang the song that I just sang and, and, and questions like these come, does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? Does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those he loves People who have come for the first time into a church say, well, I wonder, tell me, is that true? And so in the light of that, don't you see Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you, that you'll come to know God better. Because in coming to know him, you'll come to love him. I think that the illustration that Paul used in last week's message, verses 3 to 14, which he talked about us being adopted by God into his family is a perfect one to understand this prayer to know God better. So I want you to imagine, let's say a a 12-year-old little girl who's been in an orphanage her whole life. I put a couple of pictures up here and see if you can want to adopt any of them. They look beautiful, don't they? So you can imagine uh, this little girl. uh, she, She feels that the life she's gotten into, she's been in the orphanage her whole life. She feels like her life without a family is her lot in life, that that things will never change. People have come in to adopt a child, she's been passed over again and again and again, and then she hears one day that this wonderful young couple shows up in the church, they want to adopt a child, and she, she you know she thinks it'll never happen, it's never happened before. She's sure they wouldn't want her. But then shockingly, she is told that they had seen her and they loved her and they had already done everything that had to be done to adopt her into their family. What does this little girl do? Do you think she says, well, let me ask a few questions first. What's the extent of this family's financial assets? What are their political leanings? What television programs do you watch? Do you think that that happened? I want you to imagine the first time, if you can remember back to it, when when you realized that God wanted you and your family and you just believed, I think she runs into their arms with joy and thankfulness. Because I tell you, that's how we feel when we first know that the God who knows everything about us loves us anyway. 
and has called us and adopted us into his family. But then, going on with this, uh, this little girl, when she first comes into the family, she doesn't know much about her new family or her parents, does she? She enters into the family and begins this process of knowing them better. And this getting to know them better, <laughs> that does take time. And there's so many things that happen, even on a human level, right? I mean, we continue to get to know one another better in our friendships and in our families, even on that level. But just think about the level of God. How do we come to know people better? Sometimes we hear the things that we tell one another about ourselves. Sometimes we learn about one another simply because we, we do life together and we see how people respond. And I'll tell you, it's very similar to that. The very word that Paul uses for getting to know God better this time is a word for actually getting to know what God has said about himself. So, I mean, the call is to actually look at God's word and you pray that, that through the messages that are preached and the reading of God's word and the small groups you get a part of that you'll hear what God has revealed. I, want you, I pray that God will give you a spirit of revelation, that, that who God is will be revealed to you through his word, but also a spirit of wisdom, that the spirit of God might open your heart to know that what God says about himself is actually true and it is real. Uh, I'll tell you, it's kind of like, this is how I've seen it play out. Uh, people come into church, first time you come, maybe you enjoy the music or, or jokes or bad pictures like me up here. And, uh, but to the rest of the message, uh, oh hum. Uh, then you come to meet the God whose word this is. You hear it. And you begin to hear it's God speaking to you. Has that taken place in your life? It comes alive to you because you become alive to God. Now, for those of us who have been believers for a much longer time, it happens to us too. I found that when there's a fresh movement of God's spirit in our hearts, then when we come back to church, then too God's word becomes much more alive to us. It, it's been so funny to me over the many years I've been a pastor, how many people have gone through and said, Pastor, you just, you just seem to be preaching better than you used to. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's all relative, right? Yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta get better. But, you just seem, but I always say back, if you're one who said that to me, I, I always say back, well, maybe it's something that's happened inside you. If I can be faithful to this word, and you actually hear our Heavenly Father's voice speaking to you, it will be alive to you. And so that's what he prays. He's convinced, and I'll tell you, I'm convinced too, that the better that you know God, how loving and gracious and powerful and holy and majestic he is, the more you'll see him to be that way. And the more you will grow to love him and the more you'll be able to trust him with whatever happens in your life. So that's his, his overall prayer. I just pray you'll come to know God better. Now, what is it that he specifically wanted them to know about God? This is really good. I'll, I'll show it to you. First, here's what I'm, I pray that you will come to, to know the hope to which God has called his children. I pray you'll come to know the hope to which God has, that's verse 18. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I really like that phrase, the, the eyes of your heart 
may be enlightened. It's a very rabbi-like, because that's what Paul was, a rabbi-like phrase. And what he is saying, there are things we can see with these physical eyes, but he says, there are wonderful realities that you'll never see with your physical eyes. I pray that your inner being may have your eyes opened so that you can see some things about God and particularly the thing he wants them to know is the hope, the hope we always have when we've met God and know that he is in our lives. I want us to think again about uh, these little orphan children here again, uh, about this matter of hope. So when an orphan child comes into a home, what if, what if, she finds out that this family that adopts her is the most respected, the most influential, and the wealthiest family in town. One day when she still seems to feel discouraged and down on herself, they just come to her and say, we believe in you, girl. We know you've got some physical scars from your past. We know there are emotional ones too, but don't give up on yourself because we're not going to give up to you on you and we're going to use all that we are and we're going to use all that you ha- we have so that you can be everything that you possibly can be. Would that give you hope? Would that give you hope? Now, what if it's God who says that to you? What if it's God who turns to you and says, I know you're still struggling with things here, but I tell you, I'm going to commit all that I am, even in the sending of my son. I'm going to give all, that, the, all the spiritual blessings in Christ because I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to commit all that I am and all that I have so that you can actually become all I've created you to be. Yes, you, you can become holy and blameless in my sight. What would you think if God himself were to say that to you. Anybody think that's good? I tell you, that's what he does say. That's what Ephesians is declaring to you and me. And that's why when you look at this, you begin to realize that that's why he wants to pray that the eyes of their hearts will be opened because we never have to give up. And I'll tell you, even though he's praying this matter of hope for new believers, those of us who've known Jesus a long time, don't we need that hope all of our lives? I mean, when things seem to be going wrong in our businesses or, or finance or our families seem to be torn apart and it seems absolutely impossible and we feel it's absolutely hopeless, you may have brought some of those things with you to church today. I'm sure all of us have in some ways. And I tell you, I pray for you. I pray that you too will have the eyes of your heart opened so that you will know that there is always hope because the God who has drawn you into his family and he commits himself to you, they said he will never leave you or forsake you. I pray you'll know that. That's what Paul says. What else do we need to know? That's pretty good, don't you think? It continues to get good. Okay, the other thing. I pray that you will know God's rich inheritance in you or in us. And he says again, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, I'm telling you, that's religious language. If you haven't been to church, you've never heard anything like that, nor had these Gentiles who showed up at the church in Ephesus. What is this? We are his glorious inheritance 
in Christ. But the Jewish believers, they understood it well. Because throughout the centuries, I mean, the scripture again and again had turned to God's people, the people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, and said, you are God's inheritance. They had heard that. Uh, and now he is turning, not just to them, but to the Gentile people to, to say, and you too are God's inheritance. Now, I don't know what you think when you hear of an inheritance. The older I get, the more I like it. An inheritance is something that you just really grow to value. It's something that you, you invest in. When you get to where I am in life and you know that you have a lot more years behind you that you probably have ahead of you, I mean, at least on, in this side of heaven, <laughs> then those things that you invest in, you, you make sure they are the things precious to you, right? And so here, now it isn't that God has has more years behind him than he has ahead of him. I mean, God is <laughs> eternal. But it's, it's the same idea of what God really values. That when you pull back to chapter one, verse four, it, God, when he stopped to say, what am I going to invest in? I am going to invest, I'm gonna send my son to, to establish a family of people from every tribe, language, and nation who are forgiven of their sins and who are made right in my eyes, who declare my glory to the world. And he turned to these new Gentile believers and says, you're in. I, I can just well imagine that they would show up at first at church not knowing anything about the scriptures and they say, do we really belong here? It's, again, it's so much like the many people who come from different backgrounds in our own church and maybe they say, I don't know if we really belong or can fit in a church like this. Maybe we better hide up in the balcony. I'm not saying that's true of all of you who are, who are up, up there, but you know, do we really, really belong? And do you see what God's word declares to you when you placed your faith in Christ? God, who is the father of this family, says, you're in, you're mine. My inheritance is you. I will never give up on you. So we were talking about this. You know, I prepare sermons with other pastors here in the church, and Pastor Janine Smith helped me to understand the enormous encouragement of knowing that we, when you really belong and you do life together with your whole family. And she, she told me the story and then emailed it to me. Let me read part of it to you. Janine said, when one of my children was struggling with a serious medical issue, my brother, who is a doctor, did some research about her condition and did some networking. He found a fellow co-worker, another doctor, whose child had the same issue and said that this doctor was willing to spend time preparing me and my husband on our next step to care for our child. So my brother texted me that he had found a doctor who would be willing to meet with her then my brother closed his text message with this. I'll show it to you. Janine, this doctor could be a good resource for us. Of course, what people typically write is this doctor could be a good resource for you. But he said us. And in doing so, he communicated that we were in this together. Ah, oh, brothers and sisters, that's, that's what I pray that you'll experience in the family of God. He plants us here into this body. We all go through some difficult stuff, don't we? And God is there. But sometimes we need a physical touch of his children, our brothers and sisters, to communicate the love of God. And I am so much praying 
that just as he prayed for those people in Ephesus, that you will know his rich inheritance in all of us, knowing that you belong. I'm praying this Ephesians series where we're having the opportunity to be in smaller groups and pray with one another might tie us closer together so that we can do life together in really good times to celebrate and really bad times to carry one another. It's the second thing he prays. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be open so that you'll know that you're a part of this inheritance of God. One final thing. I pray that you will know God's power at work within and among us. Here's what he puts it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Because in verse 19, he broadens from praying just for the Gentile believers to praying for the entire church. And it's like he is just shouting out with joy because essentially that, that's what he does. He says, I know that us actually being the kind of church that God would have us to be seems impossible. Is it really possible for God to do this? I mean, on an individual basis, don't you look at yourself and, and you say, is it possible that God not only will forgive my past, but also set me free from the same problems in my present and in my future? I mean, is it really possible that God will be able to make me holy and blameless? Anybody ever think that? And if you ever think of that about yourself, just look around you. Is it really possible that God can make every one of us here at Lake Avenue Church fully whole, holy and blameless in his sight? Can, he, can God do that? He can. <laughs> kind of like the song I say. He can. And uh, I want you to show you in verse 19 that what the Apostle Paul does is he piles one word upon another to let us know how much power God has. If you have a Bible in front of it, he talks about the power of God. And the word that he uses in his language is dunamis, like dynamite, raw energy or strength. He says working, energeia, which is an inward propulsion of power. You JPL people, you'll like that one a lot. Mighty, he says, the mighty God. Kratos, it's, it's an ability that that person has who is mighty to, to conquer anything. And strength, iskus, which is a physical, demonstrable force. It's like a great Olympic athlete would have. It, it's like he says in verse 19, if you wonder whether God can handle the problem that you're going through, I don't want to quit this prayer until you have no doubt whatsoever. God will finish what he started in you and in us, and he surely has the power to do it. Now, our time goes by so fast that I don't have time to chew on these wonderful verses that run through verse 23, but he wants us to say that when you put your faith in Christ, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead becomes available to you and to us as a church. That should give us a lot of hope. And the way that it feels like to me when I read his prayer, it's almost like as he's praying it, he can hear them asking questions. Is this really true? Is this really true? So I've decided this was the best way to do it, to ask you to participate with me. Are you up to this? Sort of a call and response. So I'm going to ask the questions. And then you, we'll put the answer up here. And I, I hope you'll just join with me in, in answering these questions. So here we go. Question one. Does God have the power to overcome the kinds of things that I deal with? Answer. The greatest enemy this world can throw at you is death. 
and the power to overcome death is available to you through faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus. Verse 20. Oh, another question. But that happened so long ago. Is that power still available to us? Answer together. Jesus did not rise from the dead and then go into retirement. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father and is advocating for us. The end of verse 20. Another question. But what about the devil? This world's unjust systems and my own human sinfulness. Answer. God seated Jesus far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, both now and forever. Ah, but how can I be sure that this power is available to me? Answer, because you and I are the people of God through faith in Jesus. God's incomparably great power is for us who believe. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? I think we need to pray that we really will. I, I do think we need to get to know God better. Don't you? It will change our lives. It takes a while to get to know the scope and the beauty of what God makes available to us when he comes into our lives through faith in Jesus. What I want to tell you today, I, I really, you can probably tell, I've just been so moved by reading these passages again in the book of, of Ephesians. And I've been pray, trying to pray for you and for us this way. You know, I, I don't know all of you really well or what you're walking through, but I pray for you. And this week I've thought I'd need to pray the way he, he's taught me to pray. Uh, I pray that you'll get to know God better. I pray that as you do the Ephesians study and as you read the word on your own and then when you come to church, that we'll be talking about God and you'll get to know him better. And in knowing him better, I, I'll pray that whatever you go through, that you will know the certain hope that is available when you're in his family. Namely, God will never leave you alone. He will finish what he has begun and there's no thing that you will experience that goes beyond his strength. I pray here at Lake more and more that you'll know the riches of being a part of his inheritance. That no matter how you feel, God says you belong. And if God says it, that's what really matters. That you're a part of his family. And I pray you'll experience it in your, your life that you're a part of this part of his family. And then I, I pray that you will know the incomparably great power that is given to all who believe. I'm praying this so that you and I together will be here at Lake Avenue Church, will become who we are. That's what we're calling this series, will become who we are, which is a highly unexpected, in the eyes of the world, unexpected family brought together in this place that together brings glory to our God. May it happen. May it be. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
May I lead us in prayer? Father, in every place where I have been faithful to your word, use this word to teach us and to know you better. And in knowing you better, to know the hope that you and you alone can give in this world. To know that we belong, no matter if no human being in this world says that you do, and that's what matters forever and ever. And to know that whatever we face, that you have immeasurably greater power than anything in this world. Father, speak to us. If there are some who have come today who don't even know you, May this be the day that they give their lives to you and trust Jesus as Savior. And for the rest of us, may we walk deeper into your arms. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.